Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, music, faith, and community. So our Advent theme this year is called, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? And it's based off of a line from the hymn, O Holy Night. There's that line in there, if you remember, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Weariness and joy in this season are going to dance together. So did you know, though, that O Holy Night was written by a French man named Placide Capot? And during a, friend, a, a business trip to Paris, he was asked by his hometown pastor to write a Christmas piece to commemorate a new church organ in the hometown. So his pastor asked him to write a piece. Now, the only thing is that Placide was also an atheist. So he wrote, O Holy Night, and this uh, this hymn was at, at one point banned by some church leaders when they figured out that Placide was not actually um, officially a believer. So it's always a little bit funny when Christians find out they're not supposed to like something after they've already liked it for a while because the hymn was really popular, but then they had to kind of take it back. But, you know, we don't always know who, will use, who God will use to prepare the way for the Lord. And what beautiful and creative plans God has to share the gospel. And whether it's books or hymns, this human instinct to ban items that provoke discomfort or censor works of art doesn't really work in the end because you can't ban the spirit of God. You can't censor the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit can silence us when we aren't getting it and need some quiet time to ourselves, and we're going to learn about that in just a little bit later. And you know what? Placide knew something about the hope of God, regardless of his official theological beliefs. Maybe he was weary of religion in the 1800s, and he was weary of the ways that religion justified harmful, oppressive systems. He even added verse 3 in a lyric that became a rally for Christian abolitionists who fought for the end of slavery. And I'm going to read you verse 3 of O Holy Night. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Now in the 1800s, those are pretty radical words, and they're still radical now. It's amazing how the way is paved for Christ to come. It's amazing that we get to be part of this long lineage of folks who have helped to sing Jesus down from heaven. And this Advent season is a time for all of humanity to wait together for the good news of God's hope and salvation for the world. 
And it's not just a time for Christians. It's for anyone who has grown weary and is ready for the gospel of peace and the law of love to rule among us. If you're weary, this story is for you. This season, we're going to focus on the Luke gospel narrative. And Luke tells the gospel in his own particular way, of course, but he really parallels the announcing and the birth of Jesus with another person's story, someone named John the Baptist. John was part of this story of fulfillment of God's promise to Israel, and he had a key role in preparing the way for Jesus. We always go straight to the nativity story, the story of Jesus being born, but today we're going to spend a little time focusing on another story which can give us insight into the the nativity story, the birth of Jesus. It's a parallel story, but it's also about good news that is unexpected. We're going to listen to a story about someone named Zechariah And um, Scott Erickson, who I follow on Instagram, calls Zechariah Zach. And so I may give in to that today because it's a little more modern day. So we'll call him Zach too. Why not? Um, You got to make it relevant, you know. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. And um, I'm going to start in verse 5. And there is a painting that I want you to see. Um, And this is by Lauren Wright Pittman. She's an artist for Sanctified Art. And you can let this this image kind of be with you as we hear this story. And you can also find it in your booklet um, if you're you're able to grab one. It's on page 7. So starting with verse 5 of the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, or Zach, who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of incense offering, the whole assembly of people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He will turn many people, many of the people of Israel, to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. And they realized that, they, that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Wow, what a story. So, Zach was a priest, okay? And who were the priests? This is important context for us to know. They were Levites who served God on behalf of the um, the people of Israel, and they led in rituals in the temple and offered incense, okay? So they were uh, very well respected and helped with these rituals inside of the temple. We've talked about how before, how the, the very inside of the temple was a very special place that was secluded, and really only once in a lifetime did you get your name drawn, and as a priest, you were able to offer the incense. So this was a routine moment for a priest to go inside the temple and offer incense, but it was also special because this is probably the only time that Zach would get the chance to do this. God shows up in routine moments with good news. And he offers incense while the whole assembly prays outside. I think that this means something important. While Zach is having this moment with God inside the temple or with, with the angel, other people are praying on the outside. And to me, that says that we can support each other's encounters with God in prayer. We can, we can be part of each other's moments with God um, as a community. So he gets this good news from, from the angel, Gabriel, and he's scared at first. He's terrified, the scripture says. And then he says, how will I know? So we all struggle with doubt, right? Doubt Doubt sometimes is part of our faith journey. But here, Zach has a real angel in the flesh, <laughs> okay? Gabriel 
is in real life. And he says, how will I know? I guess a real life manifestation of an angel isn't quite enough in that moment. But we can understand why he might be struggling and need some answers. Maybe God's providence had become more of a concept to study, a theology to honor, a ritual to go through the motions of. He wasn't used to the promise of God startling him with wings and strange news that would change his life. But he really is dressed the part. You see, priests wore these meticulous garments with special colors that meant things, priestly patterns and textures. So he's definitely dressed the part of priest, and he's so well-dressed that you might not know that his grief is busting at the seams. He and his wife have longed for a child, and they have not had one yet. And at this time, in, in this point of Jewish culture, this was seen as um, a sign of, of being unfavored by God. They were scorned by others for, for not having a baby. But maybe the whispers from the town gossip got it wrong. Zechariah and Elizabeth's weariness is not a sign of disfavor. It's not a sign that they did something wrong. It's part of their story. And it's the place where God's hope is born. But Zach is terrified, weary, and skeptical. This is not a perfect Christian response to such good news from an angel on high. But we can understand how he would feel a little bit skeptical at this annunciation. Maybe it's too good to be true. And maybe when he was offering incense that day, he was going through the motions. We don't know how he was feeling. Maybe he was feeling weary. Maybe he was feeling grief and sadness or boredom. We don't know. I think it's interesting that he was so well-dressed and still he has this moment with an angel that defies his expectations. Friends, faith is not a part we have to dress up for. No matter how we prepare our perfect outfits, our priestly costumes, God really knows who we are and knows what we feel and what we need. And I think that faith is more of a vulnerable dance, encounters that happen between us and God that change us. So he says, okay, that's really cool. Like, it's great that you're telling me I'm gonna be able to have a baby. That's great, but how will I know? Cue Whitney Houston. How will I know if he really means this? And so then he gets the silent treatment. But it's not, it's him who becomes silent. The angel silences him. 
And we could interpret this as punishment, but I think that that's a limiting interpretation. It's more of an invitation to be silent with God. You see, Zach can't utter a word until he has accepted what the word will become in him. What the word, the word of God. So he's speechless and his lips are sealed. Sometimes we need a new script of hope. And in this season especially, this season, friends, is about God giving us a new script. We need new words. And we need silence sometimes to sit with God and let those new words form inside of us. Especially when our old scripts have gotten us nowhere. We need a new word from God. Our old scripts keep writing the same story of hopelessness and despair, division and conflict, unrest and weariness. We need a new word. Scott Erickson also says, he says this about this, this moment. He says, the angel is offended at such a limiting statement about age in the light of eternal possibility and hands out the consequence of silence, which can seem like a harsh punishment, but maybe actually the intimate gift he needs to deal with this painful conversation. And then this is what Scott says. He says, because sometimes it's helpful to shut us up from the limiting things we tell ourselves. Shut us up, Lord, this season. Shut up our scripts of despair. Shut us up when we can only moan about what is wrong with ourselves and the world and we forget the angels standing in our midst, angels with good news that we need to receive but we aren't sure how to receive. This season, my friends, we can acknowledge our weariness. We can acknowledge our old scripts, our old stories about what God is capable of, about what we're capable of. The words that we've gotten used to that we tell ourselves or that we tell others, but that if we really held those words up in the light of God, they may not stand for long because there is a better word for us. We acknowledge our need for a savior because part of preparing the way for a savior is acknowledging what we need saving from. <laughs> Save us, God, from our weariness. We pave the path with humility we pave the way for Jesus to come by acknowledging that we don't got this human thing figured out perfectly. We need help. We need guidance. This gospel story is a permission slip to be human, to have fears and skepticism, and to let God do most of the talking. <laughs> Now, 
This season at Lyde, I hope you feel that you can bring your full selves to this Advent time. You can bring your weariness, your grief. Don't let all the twinkling lights and jolly tunes fool you this month. Because they're going to market all kinds of things to you. And they're going to market you a joy that has a price tag on it. But there's a different kind of joy that is everlasting. This season is not for a merry and twinkly denial of the weariness we feel. We can bring our weariness to God. We can bring our fears and tears inside the temple. As I said, this season is being marketed as a shiny time where everything's perfect and there are ribbons and bows and, and high pressure to have a certain type of holiday, to be able to provide your kids with a certain type of Christmas, to be able to afford the expensive things. And especially, you know, families are sending out their Christmas pictures and their matching pajama pics and their perfect photos. And all of that's good. I can't wait to take a family Christmas photo one day. But you probably won't see weariness on the Christmas card. Let me know if you do. I want to know if you have a friend that says, hey, it's been a weary year, but we're here. Merry Christmas. A true kind of joy, the true joy that God calls us to, the hope that we're called to, is not about a shiny, perfect looking picture. So don't let the marketing or pressure of this season convince you that you need to wrap yourself up in shiny paper and tie up your year with a perfect bow. God has better for you than that. Instead, bring the fullness of your weary heart to this season. Name the things that have been hard. Offer them to God. But then, also open yourself up to the fullness of hope that surprises you in unexpected ways silences your skepticism and shows you a thrill of hope that the world so desperately needs. Um, Ross Gay wrote a book this year called Inciting Joy, and it's, an, it's a book of essays. And he says, in it he says, what if joy is not only entangled with pain or suffering or sorrow, but it's also what emerges from how we care for each other through those things. So maybe the weariness and the suffering and sorrow that we see in the world and we feel in ourselves is not evidence of God's absence. It's not a sign of God's disfavor. But it's the very place where God might just meet us might just change us, might just love us into a new way of being. 
So, you know, I told you about the history of that song, Oh Holy Night. So the, the church leaders banned the hymn, like I said, when they found out about um, Placide's atheism. But the ban was lifted for a certain time. And I find this fascinating. And it was lifted after an incident during the Franco-Prussian War. There was a very serious war that was happening between the French and the Germans. Um, and it was Christmas Eve. And, you know, war doesn't take days off, I guess. And the two sides, both enemies, one French soldier jumped from the trenches as they were being attacked by the Germans and revealed himself. And he started to sing, Oh Holy Night. The Germans were moved by this action and in return sang a hymn by Martin Luther. And a truce was declared. Even war, my friends, can get silenced by the Spirit of God. Even evil gets interrupted when Jesus comes. I wonder what would happen if we sang hymns at each other. If we tossed melodies of hope across enemy lines saying, I see you, I'm with you, I am like you, we're both human, I remember, I remember, I remember. Hymns are more powerful than bombs. Light is more powerful than darkness. The light came into the world and the darkness did not overcome it. Hope is here, friends. Jesus brings salvation to us and a new world is possible. So may we join hands and get busy living and loving and working together as if Jesus really has changed everything as if Jesus is changing everything. Still skeptical? But how will we know? Oh, shh. Just wait and see. Amen.